Hello and welcome to the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility Radio Show. Each episode, Lynn and Mustachio will explore continuums of meaning, varied perspectives, and thought seeds to place in the garden of the mind. Who knows what will grow? So sit back, stand up, drive or jog, whatever the motion may be, we are here to support each individual's journey to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the information era. Enjoy. Greetings! <laughs> Today is July 20th, 2016 at 0550 in the AM. Lots of fives. Those are synchronistic numbers for me. Good time to record. Nice and early. The world is quiet. The sunset this morning was beautiful. Purples and blues and greens, whites, all kinds of colors mixed in the sky. The sky was an amazing primitive canvas for Mother Nature. (laughs) A true beauty in the foreground (laughs) of this beautiful painting of nature is a lovely avista, (laughs) high temperature, street light, which is of commercial grade in brightness. (laughs) It's quite ironic. And for a moment I was lost in the sky, in the sunrise, in waking up, of thinking of today as a new day and kind of doing my morning little shakes and wakens ups and bam, and there's that light. (laughs) Oh, so happy good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever the time of day may bring, Mustachio and I send our hellos. Today's episode is season two, episode one. In season two, we've changed up the format. The first year was a test run. (laughs) One of the things we talk about here on the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility is the concept of trial and error. The first season was trial and error, lots of trial, lots of error. And now over time, Mustachio and I have been able to ingest, reflect, and modify the content and practices we held last season. This component is essential to the meta that we've created here, some sort of a break. Dr. Amit Goswami says it as doobie doobie doo. He calls it the dooby-dooby-doo process. And it's do, be, do, be. Do something, create, burn the candle at both ends, hit it hard, and then be. Simply be, rest, restore, have some fun, go outside. (laughs) Those things are essential to growth, critical thinking, restoration of memory, and restoration of the body. We have restored. (laughs) We have been in a state of be. Now we are in a state of do. Time to do. And that do is apply what we've learned. So this is the modify stage. Ingest took place while we were producing season one. 
reflect took place during our downtime and now we are modifying. So ingest, reflect, and modify. That is essentially the equation for critical thinking. Oftentimes, I think in terms of equations. <laughs> and this is quite ironic given I struggle with mathematics, yet I use mathematics in word problems. And ingest, reflect, modify equals critical thinking. So, okay. <laughs> so the new meta, uh, the in initial template will be kept to one page and that will have a header, the listener challenge information, the 10 list, two five lists, and then announcements. So this is the new format for today. <laughs> Who knows what tomorrow will bring, you know, existence of infinite possibilities. Do appreciate feedback. All right, let's dive on in. Today, July 20th, 2016, is Season 2, Episode 1, 10 List, Happiness Exploration. The Listener Challenge, Spring Clean Home Adventure, number 15. The Listener Challenges are available on the website. Regardless of the time of year, the present moment offers a great time for a spring cleaning adventure. Similar to a treasure hunt with hidden items, a closet will become a treasure chest of forgotten and lost possessions. While on adventure around the home, dig deep into nooks and crannies neglected by time. Sort with three piles, keep, toss, and donate. Once the closet is clean and items sorted and dealt with, tackle the next closet or neglected room full of junk. Keep two things in mind, work clockwise and keep moving. Enjoy. That is the listener challenge for this episode, Spring Clean Home Adventure. I tend to have one of these once a year. In that regard, I'm pretty fortunate because I do move on average once a year for the last eight years. <laughs> so I think in the last eight years, I'm, I've moved like nine times. <laughs> This is one that I have mastered. <laughs> we talk about how the term mastered is a bit pish posh in that each person is going to think of master in a different way. I meant that uh, jokingly that I've uh, mastered this because I move so frequently. I think this listener challenge is especially important for those who do not move frequently, who have been in the same place for quite some time. I notice for me, even a couple months, things kind of pile up and get out of place and uh, there may be items that are broken I keep. Why? I don't know. <laughs> just in case I, I'll fix it, just in case I learn how to fix a toaster oven. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to attain that skill anytime soon. <laughs> this listener challenge is about getting rid of that broken toaster oven, clearing off the bookshelf, donate books to little libraries or big libraries, schools, go through closets that have become junkyards for misfit items. View it as though it's a treasure hunt. 
Oftentimes I have fun when I do spring cleaning home adventures. I'll find things I forgot I had and I seem to feel healthier, happier, and more humble. (laughs) When my house is in order and I've optimized my living space. So give it a go, the spring clean home adventure. The 10 list for today, happiness exploration. This is the second part in a three part series. The first part was the last episode of season one. This is the second part. And then the third part will be out this month. This is a new meta we are tinkering with. The first season will lead off with episode one of a three-part series. And then the second and third part will be released the launch month. So it will be double content in the initial month. So there can be a bit of binge listening. I believe this is beneficial on both parts, our part as producers and with the listeners. It's beneficial as a producer because our minds are in the mindset of creating an episode. Our conscious awareness and energy is put towards this specific project, so it's more powerful. It's, uh, it has inertia. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. It's got that downhill effect, which is strange. Oftentimes downhill is thought to be negative, but in this sense, it's a positive variable or something which helps. And I think most people have felt this. Once undivided attention is given to a project, it seems to be easier and deeper layer ideas pop up. This happens for me. I've heard other people speak of the same. Awesomeness takes time. (laughs) It takes time and energy to get to a higher level of consciousness in order to tap into subconscious processing and grab those little chunks of gold. Some of those chunks of gold are found in this 10 list. I do believe an effective sprinkle on top of organizing a 10 list is to go through the 10 list, let the listener know what basic information will be discussed, then discuss the information in detail, and then read the list again. For 10 lists, happiness exploration, number one, speak 30% and listen 70%. Give conscious attention to the present moment. Number two, focus on haves. Utilize what is had before desiring more. Number three, examine life as an adventurer. Ask questions, explore the unknown. Number four, critical thought. Ingest, reflect, and modify information for deep level stimuli processing. Number five, give effort towards conscious communication. Speak in the pink zone. Number six, reflection right. Increase ability to view oneself and others objectively. Number seven, humble perspective. Identify and recognize similarities between humans. Number eight, Occupation fulfillment. Allow monetary gains to align with ethics and morals. Number nine, proactive approach to life. Less energy to prevent incident rather than fix later. Number 10, be true to character. 
hold oneself accountable for actions. Okay, so this is the 10 list for happiness exploration. These are the ideas Mustachio and I came up with back on March 4th of 2015. That was the original air date. The vocabulary used on this 10 list is different. And I do encourage listeners to listen. (laughs) To pay attention. As a critical thinking exercise, compare how this list is viewed today, July 20th, 2016, as opposed to March of 2015. The core of most of the information is the same, yet it's more refined. It's a bit polished now. I believe this is a helpful example of the nature of learning and an education and human nature. I believe humans are meant to have some room to experience trial and error, to grow, to change. Information and Educational input is not static. It's alive. (laughs) It's alive. (laughs) It is. It, It changes. It's full of infinite potential. All right, so number one, speak 30% and listen 70%. Give conscious attention to the present moment. I do believe this is a component of happiness. And we do go into deeper detail of this in the initial communication episode of last season. So if there is a desire to explore initial communication and specifically encountering with other people and the general public and those types of things. So check that out. Speak 30%, listen 70. Open up them ears. Number two, focus on haves. Utilize what is had before desiring more. This is one of the things I've noticed within my mindset. When I focus on what I have, I'm happier than when I'm hoping I had something else. And when I catch myself hoping for something else, I bring myself back and I say, okay, so what do I, what do I have internally, externally that I can use. This is (laughs) when I would fix the broken toaster. If I needed a toaster, instead of going it out and buying a new one, I would fix it. (laughs) And I think this is especially important for the broken toasters of the mind, those thoughts and friendships and resources we already have as humans. I think it's important to tap into those as a use of energy as opposed to hoping and kind of those other pish-poshy yellow zone stuff. So that's number two, focus on the have. Utilize what is had before desiring more. Number three, examine life as an adventurer. Ask questions, explore the unknown. We humans are adventurers. I believe we were put on this earth to explore, to grow, innovate, leave the earth a little better than how we found it. To explore, I believe, is to expand intelligence. The definition of intelligence is 
ability to adapt in trying in new situations in order to achieve intelligence and to learn how to adapt there needs to be some energy in this area in the area of the unknown when things are known and safe and comfortable there's security but i believe that mindset and those actions lack an adventurous mindset a sense of adventure a dip into the unknown explore and it could be as simple as walking out the front door and going for a walk around the block to me that is exploring or going on exotic vacation and everything in between so that's number 3 examine life as an adventurer ask questions explore the unknown number 4 critical thought ingest reflect and modify for deep level stimuli processing we went over that a bit the dooby dooby doo process i believe intelligence and exploration are correlated and critical thought and happiness are correlated with the research i've conducted there is a correlation so that's different than causation but a correlation where people who utilize critical thinking tend to be happier tend to be in the moment and live a more fulfilled life critical thought use them brains <laughs> number 5 give effort towards conscious communication speak in the pink zone so number 5 is about conscious communication that is the foundation of what 3h2 humans is built off of is conscious communication learning growing exploring critical thinking these things all thrown in a big crock pot and turned on <laughs> and what pops out is conscious communication because there are many things to conscious communication and that's one of the reasons why for this one the core of it is give effort towards conscious communication I was particular with this wording. It's not to master it or become an expert or any of that pish-posh nonsense bullshit. It's about giving effort, showing up, similar to a muscle. It takes time to build an ability to utilize conscious communication. We've developed shortcuts, and I believe they expedite the process, but it takes time and effort. And As we were talking about earlier, the nature of information grows and evolves and changes. That's similar to how we view conscious communication. That is going to continue to grow, evolve and change. So number 5, give effort towards conscious communication, speak in the pink zone. And what is the pink zone? The pink zone is a frame of mind where both parties or all parties involved view similar variables and view content or whatever may be the subject of the conversation as the same. Okay, yeah. Let's <laughs> actually just give an example. So an example, pink zone is the temperature is 68 degrees outside. That is objective. It's precise and for the most part universally understood regardless of 
if I tell my grandma it's 68 degrees outside or I tell my mom or I tell my brother if I tell all three of them it's 68 degrees outside the four of us can uniformly agree that it's 68 degrees outside that's the pink zone that's where people view something the same an example of yellow zone would be it's warm outside so warm is subjective as opposed to objective if I tell my grandma it's warm, she's gonna think a certain temperature range. If I tell my mom it's warm, she's gonna identify with a different range and I tell my brother that will be different as well. Especially because we live in different climates. I'm here in Washington, they're in California. Our idea of a warm day is going to change and it's likely to cause confusion. Words such as warm lack pink zone tangibility, where they're ambiguous and guessing goes on. The yellow zone, this is where I believe busy people are. Busy people are stuck in the yellow zone, stuck in miscommunication, stuck with subconscious processing. That's the yellow zone. It's not a fun place to be. The pink zone (laughs) is full of rainbows and unicorns and magical dragons (laughs) and together they equal conscious communication or do they (laughs) all right so that is number five give effort towards conscious communication speak in the pink zone number six reflection right Increase ability to view oneself and others objectively. So number six ties into number five. We had talked about how conscious communication increases objectivity and pink zone happenings. So too does reflection writing. I find reflection writing to be a contributor to my ability to speak in the pink zone and objectively communicate. We have an earlier episode about reflection writing. I think it's number two. It was one of the first ones. Check that out for more information. Number seven, humble perspective. Identify and recognize similarities between humans. In episode number two, we will go over humble perspective and offer a 10 list of components we here at 3H2Humans feel are a part of a humble perspective. Number eight, occupational fulfillment. Allow monetary gains to align with ethics and morals. Number eight is a big one. And eight is a number, (laughs) and eight is another one of my favorite numbers. Occupational fulfillment. I believe this to be different than success and fame and all that other pish posh nonsense. Occupational fulfillment is about allowing monetary gains to align with ethics and morals. This is another huge objective of 3H2Humans is to create an updated business meta during a technological revolution. Creating a business with ethics and morals as a foundation is the direction the world economy is moving towards. So I believe in about 20 years, The world economy will vastly change. Right now, giants such as 
Walmart and Safeway and McDonald's run the world. (laughs) I think this is going to change. In the future, companies which are based off of morals and ethics that go along with the consumers will be the giants. I encourage entrepreneurs and consumers to nurture this system, to be a consumer consciously. Think of products, think of where they came from, what their environmental impact is, and all the stuff that goes along with being a consumer. Being a consumer is a responsibility as well as being a business owner. Think of these two things. Number eight, occupational fulfillment. Allow monetary gains to align with ethics and morals. Number nine, proactive approach to life. Less energy to prevent incident rather than fix later. This is a huge one. I grew up in a household of proactivity, of anticipation, and it helped shape who I am today. I'm happiest when I'm proactive. An example, (laughs) thank you, Mustachio. (laughs) This has been on my mind. (sighs) Okay, quick story. (laughs) Proactive approach. Uh, We're gonna identify a problem and then a proactive approach and a reactive approach. Okay, so the problem is dog shit being tracked into my house dog shit being tracked into my house because there's a 30 foot radius in front of my house that is apparently the neighborhood's dog crappery (laughs) so okay that's the problem my yard is the neighborhood's dog hopefully dog (laughs) i think there's some cats too anyway it is a crappery (laughs) and it's starting to wear on me was after a guest stepped in it and tracked it in the house. I needed to clean up the mess. That is being reactive, waiting for someone to step in it and bring it into the house. And that takes time. I would have to clean and just deal with it. A proactive approach is eliminating the problem. (laughs) The reason why my yard is a crappery. I have taken three proactive approaches and it was strange. Once this jumped into conscious thought, I started solving the problem. The first one was a man who walked with his dog and then just let it crap and then walked away. And I said, hey buddy, (laughs) your dog just crapped, didn't clean it up. That turned into an interesting situation where he accused me of being a liberal and a transplant from Portland. (laughs) So here's this guy with his dog laying a crap on the side of my driveway and then he insults me. (laughs) That was interesting. And then another neighbor was playing catch with their dog. And then I saw it crap on the neighbor's yard and the owner didn't do anything, just walked back in the house. And I thought, okay, maybe they'll get it later. Went for a walk later in the day and the crap was still there. So the next day I spoke with her and I said, hey, you know, your dog's just, you're playing ball, that's great. Hey, little doggy, hi, everybody's happy. Uh, do you clean up after your dog? And she said, oh yeah, I just don't have bags today. 
And I thought, oh, that's an example of yellow zone. Because I don't believe that was quite the truth. And then I had mentioned yesterday that the dog had crapped in the neighbor's yard and that it's still there. And then at that point, her demeanor changed and she didn't say a whole lot after that. Before it was excuses. Oh, I'm late for work. I usually do this. And oh, I have to do that. And once she recognized that, oh yeah, I think I did just let the dog crap there and then I walked back in the house. (laughs) That's number two of a proactive approach. So we got one dog, the neighbor down this way, and then the other neighbor. So I got minus two dogs. (laughs) Hopefully. I think there's still about six more. And then dog number three, there's a feral dog, uh, like a little sheep dog that is mean. It growls at people and, and it craps in my yard. So I was doing my kettlebell workout, meditating, and I heard its collar. Someone owns this dog and just lets it run around crapping wherever it wants. And apparently that's in the local crappery, <laughs> aka my yard. <laughs> So I'm doing my workout and I'm, it's early morning, I'm getting pumped and I hear the dog's collar and I see it and I think that's it. I'm done cleaning up dog crap on my lawn, having people step in it, like I, I, I hit my threshold. I needed to be proactive. I hit a point where being reactive was no longer an option and I confronted the dog. <laughs> And it growled at me and I chased it down and I threw rocks at it and I didn't hit the dog and they were more to scare it. I needed to hold my ground and I've seen kids walking to school and this dog goes up and growls at them. I mean, what the fuck? Who, where's this dog's owner? I mean, these other two people, I would consider them irresponsible pet owners. And so here's three. So I think in terms of triangles. (laughs) So I've got three sources for the crappery. Two neighbors and a feral dog. And that equals a proactive approach. Time will tell if it helps. I think so. Because I do believe there is a bit of universal magic which comes into play once a proactive approach is taken. Similar to what we were talking about earlier about inertia intelligence. I think it's the same with proactivity. Once a proactive approach is taken, it becomes more easy to continue that proactive approach and over time a solution is resolved. I am determined to resolve this problem and eliminate the crappery. (laughs) Okay, and that is number nine, proactive approach to life. Less energy to prevent incident rather than fix later have now confronted three of the dogs. Do believe that will save me time down the road in cleaning up shit that people step in and in picking it up myself. So number 10, be true to character. Hold oneself accountable for actions. So here we go, this ties into the one we were just going over. This was one thing my grandmother taught me. She said, practice what you preach. And I do my best to practice what I preach. The proactive example with the dogs is an example of that, of me offering an example which is recently occurring. 
this dog stuff didn't happen five years ago or back when I was in high school or when I was four years old or none of that pish posh nonsense. This is going on now. <laughs> I talked to the neighbor lady yesterday. It's still a hot issue. I want to be true to my character. I want to improve the community. I stuck up for my neighbor. The dog wasn't crapping in my yard specifically, but it's the neighborhood yard. And I tend to feel happier when I practice what I preach. And that would, that's what this list is about. It's about happiness. What is happiness? And to 3H2Humans, these things are included in happiness. A big part of that and the wrap up is number 10, be true to character. Hold oneself accountable for actions. So the list one more time, 10 list happiness exploration. Number one, speak 30% and listen 70%. Number two, focus on haves. Number three, examine life as an adventurer. Number four, critical thought. Number five, give effort towards conscious communication. Number six, reflection right. Number seven, humble perspective. Number eight, occupational fulfillment. Number nine, proactive approach to life. And number 10, be true to character. These items will be gone over by past Leonardo. <laughs> Way back when, jump into a time machine and uh, that is coming up in segment number two. And now we will move on to the five lists for today's episode, season two, episode one. We have two five lists, one for podcasts in the entrepreneurship category and five movies of 2015. Many of our movies are throwbacks and not so much of current. So this is a current. These are the movies I feel are worth checking out for 2015. Following that, we will have the announcements. The five list for podcast entrepreneur is number one, Tiny Leaps Big Changes with Greg Clunas. Number two, The Game Changer Podcast with Michelle Dutro. Number three, The Next Level with Jeff Agostinelli. Number four, The Rebel Speaker Podcast with Michelle Mazur. And number five, Confidence on the Go with Trish Blackwell. These are the five lists for podcast entrepreneur. The podcast reviews have changed. This is one of the components which will be different in season two. In the past, we winged it for the podcast reviews. And it was fun and more conversational. This approach is more meticulous and calculated. One of our objectives with 3H2Humans is optimization of time and effort. We wanted to roll a bunch of things into one with the podcast reviews. Kind of like a Frankenstein of many different things. And a few of them are, they offer exposure to these podcasts where some people may not have heard of them. Also, this is a example of the format used in the 3H2Human speaker analysis. This is a service available on the website. And for those who desire 
speaker analyzation, this is kind of an example of what it is. That's one of the things that we struggle with is explaining what we do. Because <laughs> uh, many of these things are stuff that we kind of made up in a sense. Back to that Frankenstein analogy, it's taking a bunch of other things and mishing them together. Or yes, Mustachio points out the crock pot, similar type of idea or a stew or a fruit salad. It's just a bunch of stuff mixed together. That's what these reviews are. <laughs> so it's a mix of exposure, speaker analysis. Also, the reviews will be posted on the podcasters site. That's something that I've noticed in poking around out in the world. There are very few reviews. I think that's because many people are like me. <laughs> Up until recently, I didn't review anything publicly on the person's site. And so I'm starting this process. And that's one of the things I've learned in life. If I want something for me, I first must give that to someone else. And I desire reviews. I desire feedback. Part of my humble perspective is, okay, this is something... I want, let me give it to someone else and then see what happens. And it's strange. Sometimes I find that I didn't want what that thing was after I go through the process. And sometimes I'm extremely grateful for its new presence in my life. Trial and error. <laughs> so this is a part of that trial and error. This is episode one. This is where it begins. The Podcast reviews, also the movie reviews have changed. We're mixing things up. And we do appreciate feedback and reviews of what we're doing. We request three doing well and three improvement suggestions. So it seemed to make sense to do the same, to offer that to other people. So here we go. These are our three doing well and three suggestions for improvement for each podcast. This is in contrast to the past where I just ramble on and on and on. <laughs> here, here to organization. Let's see how this goes. Number one, Tiny Leaps, Big Changes with Greg Clunas. The featured episode is number 52, How to Get More Done. And that was aired on March 21st of 2016. Well done. Number one, high frequency of episodes in a short time period. Number two, genuine and insightful monologue show format. Number three, Greg explains content within the pink zone and speaks from the soul. Those are the areas Greg Clunas is doing well. I do like the frequency of the episodes. They are quite short. I would like to see them a little bit longer. I also like how the show format is a monologue. I am burnt out on the interview format. Oh, if I hear one more person tell me about their high school experience and then they went into the job world and then realized that wasn't for them and then had some big thing and then figured something out and then now they're a successful business, although they have no reviews, <laughs> nobody's ever heard of them, but then now they're teaching people on how to be a successful business. It just, oh, it drives me absolutely crazy. Do you appreciate that Greg does a monologue show format? Because I am maxed out on hearing 
stories of the past in interview format shows. And also he explains content in the ping zone. I like how he gives detail of the concepts he speaks about. And sometimes it's elementary things. I believe his approach is extremely beneficial for those who desire pink zone communication. Even though something may seem obvious, so we talk about how obvious is a pish posh word because essentially it's a false construct, but something may seem clear, may seem understood. I believe it's beneficial to clarify. Greg has that ability to speak in the pink zone and speak from the soul. I'm under the impression he really enjoys what he does. And (laughs) in a recent episode, he talked about how he lost the client because he got comfortable and complacent. And that client that he lost is a client like me. I bet it was someone that asked for something, didn't get it, asked for it again, didn't get it, and then just said, screw you guys, I'm out of here. And I like that. He showed a human side. I think that's speaking from the soul. It's that yin and yang, the light and the dark. He presents both sides of entrepreneurship. And I think in terms of mentorship, it's important to include the ups and the downs. So that is Greg Clunas, well done. High frequency of episodes in a short time period, genuine and insightful monologue, and speaking in the pink zone. Improvement suggestions. Number one, Use caution when you is used. Explore who is you. Number two, increase organization of information. Sample with a 10 list format. Number three, become familiar with 20 pish posh words. Use them with conscious awareness. So for number one, use caution when you is used. He does misuse you. He'll say something like, when you live in New York and you host a podcast and you want to retain happy clients. That's not me. I don't live in New York. I do host a podcast, so that one's applicable. I would encourage Greg to use caution, clarify. Is he talking about himself when he says, when you live in New York? Or is he talking about a friend of his? I don't know because he's using the word you and it's not me. If it's not me, then who is it? (laughs) Who is you? (laughs) Clarify. Number two, increase organization of information, sample with the 10 list format. Greg does strike me as an organized person and I think he would benefit tremendously from adopting a similar meta to 3H2Humans with a 10 list format. Because each episode he talks about a lot of things but at the end, I'm not really sure what to take away. 10 lists help me stay on track, help me be focused, and then also increase pink zone tangibility. Number three, become familiar with 20 pish posh words, use them with conscious awareness. He does use several pish posh words. I feel it's a result of subconscious communication as opposed to conscious communication. Antidote I found for this (laughs) is removing 20 pish posh words. So it's something like where he would say, everyone who does this, or I finally got that. It's alluding to something, but it's not quite clear what it is. And I believe he has great information and I wanna know deeper layers of thought. So I encourage Greg to become familiar with the 20 pishposh words and to use them with conscious awareness. So that is number one, tiny leaps, big changes. 
with Greg Clunas. Number two, the Game Changer podcast with Michelle Dutro. The featured episode is number 52. Is it possible to give advice without an agenda? The original air date, July 4th, 2016. For Michelle, well done. Number one, blunt, genuine personality traits are heard when life's ups and downs are shared. Number two, business paradigms of focus are similar to those of 3H2 humans. And number three, reliable, regular production of episodes. For Michelle, blunt, genuine personality traits are heard when life's ups and downs are shared. Similar to Greg, Michelle talks about the ups and downs. I like that. I think if a person is going to be genuine, there will be both ups and downs. I also like how blunt Michelle is. She just goes on rants and I think it's great. I like how she'll do an hour rant about parking in San Francisco (laughs) or Game of Thrones or a miscommunication with someone. It's entertaining. I like to have it on in the background when I'm doing chores or going for a jog. And um, I think the reason has to do with her blunt and genuine personality traits. Number two, business paradigms of focus are similar to those of 3H2 humans. Earlier, we talked about occupational fulfillment and morals and ethics being in alignment with business. I believe Michelle Dutro feels the same. She would like her business to be in line with her morals and ethics, and that's something that she is open about. Number three, reliable, regular production of episodes. Seems every couple of days or so I can jump on the old podcast machine and bam, there's a new episode. Some fresh stimuli from an entrepreneur. Do like that, that they're reliable and regular. So for Michelle Dutro, well done. Number one, blunt, genuine personality traits are heard when life's ups and downs are shared. Number two, business paradigms of focus are similar to those of 3H2 humans. Number three, reliable, regular production of episodes. And that is for well done. Improvement suggestions. Number one, use caution when you is used. Explore who is you. Number two, minimize redundancies. Remove, like I said, from common phrase pool. Number three, guide interviews towards productive, action-based topics. Minimize past stories. So for these improvement suggestions, (laughs) number one will pop up (laughs) frequently. Uh, It seems to be applicable for the majority of speakers, and I feel it is essential to use you with caution. And I will include it in any speaker analysis where you pops up. Okay, so use caution when you is used. Uh, Michelle, similar to Greg, says something like, when you live in San Francisco and you have to walk up a big hill, you get tired when you get inside. Well, I don't live in San Francisco. I do walk up big hills, partly applicable, but I want to hear either I, I live in San Francisco, I walk up big hills, I have trouble parking, these types of things, because it's her. Or if it's not, my neighbor lives in San Francisco. My friend, this speaker, clarify who is you. 
Number two, minimize redundancies. Remove, like I said, from common phrase pool. Is <laughs> I kind of view Michelle as like an auntie. Um, it's Auntie Michelle. Because <laughs> I'm 34. I, I imagine I'm, I think I'm around her kid's age, a little bit older. It's just, it, it seems like an aunt thing. Uh, like I said, like I said, she repeats, like I said, frequently. And many people have their repeated phrases. That's another benefit of speaker analysis. I dive into what that repeated phrase is. For Michelle, it's like I said. <laughs> and I encourage listeners, check out the podcast, the Game Changer podcast, and listen for, like I said, I encourage Michelle to be cognizant of it. That's the first stage. Just first recognize, like I said. Number three, guide interviews towards productive action-based topics, minimize past stories. Michelle has interesting guests, and I want to hear more about their current lives, about what's going on right now, not about what school they went to and a funny story from college and 20 years ago this and five years ago that. I... I don't really care (laughs) because that's a past animal. That's a past creature. We talked earlier about how information grows and adapts and changes. It's kind of like a parent showing a baby picture of their child who's in college. That's kind of how I view that. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's cute. That person was a baby. Now they're an adult. I want to be in the present moment. I want to view that guest's ideas as an adult not I don't want to see baby pictures ain't nobody got time for that (laughs) so I would encourage Michelle to guide interviews towards productive action-based topics minimize past stories relay stories within the last 30 days or three months or year but going beyond that I think is a bit pish posh so that is improvement suggestions number one use Caution when you is used. Explore who is you. Number two, minimize redundancies. Remove, like I said, from common phrase pool. Number three, guide interviews towards productive action-based topics. Minimize past stories. And that is the Game Changer podcast with Michelle Dutro. Her and Greg are both, in part, uh, monologuers. Big thumbs up to y'all. Keep on, keep on. Number three, The Next Level with Jeff Agostinelli. The featured episode is number three, Conscious Language and Upgrading Your Life with Robert Stevens. And the original air date for that was 2015-1228. So December 28th of 2015. For Jeff Agostinelli, we have well done. Number one, unique topics inspire critical thinking. Number two, Jeff is a confident speaker with charisma. Number three, reliable, regular production of episodes. So for number one, unique topics inspire critical thinking, similar to the featured episode. Number three, about conscious language. I feel Next Level Podcast is in sync with the direction of 3H2Humans. Jeff likes to dive into similar topics of interest. And I do encourage folks to listen to number three, conscious language. Compare what Robert Stevens talks about and his approach to conscious language and our 
approach, 3H2Human's approach to conscious communication, there are some similarities and differences. Also with the topics, I enjoy how I can relate and compare theories I have to theories proposed on the Next Level podcast. So it's a great checker (laughs) in that sense. Number two, Jeff is a confident speaker with charisma. He is a strong interviewer. Although I am burnt out on interviews and I would like to see Jeff do some monologues, I enjoy his direction with interviews. I can sense the confidence in his voice and I like how that is mixed with charisma. That is a difficult mixture. To get it just right, a mixture of confidence and charisma, because there's a tendency for people to overdo it or underdo it. And I think Jeff offers a a good balance of confidence and charisma. Number three, reliable, regular production of episodes. I do like how there is consistency. (laughs) That's one thing I uh, don't have a whole lot of. So it's nice to see that in other people. And that is well done. Number one, unique topics inspire critical thinking. Number two, Jeff is a confident speaker with charisma. And number three, reliable, regular production of episodes. For improvement suggestions, number one, use caution when you is used. Explore who is you. Number two, guide interviews towards productive, action-based topics. Minimize past stories. Number three, increase organization of information. Sample with a 10-list format. So for improvement suggestions, Greg, Michelle, and Jeff, I think all three of them would benefit from using caution when you is used. Explore who is you. Number two, guide interviews towards productive, action-based topics. Minimize past stories. Jeff does well with guiding interviews, but I think he could improve a bit more to help the guest stay focused on action-based topics and to minimize past stories. If there is someone who can allow for the interview format to be tolerable, it's Jeff Augustinelli. (laughs) So go get him, Jeff. (laughs) Create an interesting action-based present moment interview format. That's your specific listener challenge. And I use the word your I'm speaking specifically to Jeff Augustinelli. He is the you in this case. Number three, increase organization of info sample with a 10-list format. Similar to many speakers, Jeff has beneficial information, but at the end of the episode, it's lost to my conscious thought. It's tucked away in my subconscious. I listened to it, I ingested it, but I don't have access to it. So a 10 list creates a pink zone, tangible thing to put Jeff and I in a pink zone. So he's the speaker, I'm the listener. We want to be in the pink zone. If he has an episode about conscious language and upgrading your life with Robert Stevens, okay, cool. What 10 things can I take away from that? How can I improve conscious language after listening to this podcast? So I do strongly believe in the 10 list format. And that's improvement suggestions. Use caution when you is used. Explore who is you. Number two, guide interviews towards productive action-based topics. Minimize past stories. And number three, 
increase organization of information sample with the 10 list format that is the next level with jeff augustinelli and i think he may change this but in the past the guest's name is at the end i think for searchability it's beneficial to put the guest name first so then people can just scroll down if they're looking for a particular guest and just see the guest name as opposed to reading a bunch of text and kind of sifting through. It's much more challenging for the mind to scan when the information is at the end or in the middle as opposed to in the front. Okay, so that's the next level with Jeff Augustinelli. Number four, the Rebel Speaker Podcast with Michelle Mazer. The featured episode is number 36, How to Negotiate Your Speaking Fee. And that is from July 5th, 2016. For well done. Number one, Michelle encourages people to speak from the soul. Number two, genuine and insightful monologue show format. Number three, complications and joy of entrepreneurship are explored. So number one, Michelle encourages people to speak from the soul. This is a big one. In terms of speaker podcasts and communication, I think semantics and analytics and all the edicts hinder an ability to speak from the soul. That's what conscious communication, the ping zone, it's soul-based communication. I feel that's essential for productive communication. And it seems as though Michelle Mazur feels the same. Number two, genuine and insightful monologue show format. This is another one where... There are monologues. I'm a huge fan of monologues, (laughs) at least in the present moment. I think another benefit of a monologue show is it allows the host and the person organizing the podcast to speak about their own beliefs. Interview format is focusing on someone else's beliefs. I like how these podcasters focus on their own beliefs. Oftentimes that's the reason why people start things is because of theories and things which were discovered internally rather than external. So a monologue is more of an internal reflection of ideas, an interview is more of external. Number three, complications and joy of entrepreneurship are shared. I do like how Michelle speaks about the ups and downs. Similar to confidence and charisma, ups and downs have a fine balance. Speakers we talk about today balance that well. Sometimes people overemphasize the joy or overemphasize the pain. So Michelle offers a realistic balance of life. And that is well done. Number one, Michelle encourages people to speak from the soul. Number two, genuine and insightful monologue show format. Number three, complications and joy of entrepreneurship are explored. I keep ending that. <laughs> and then Mustachio points out, you're like, okay, when I do my voice for the one, two, three, I'm so programmed to do 10, where and three, I end high, so it means there's going to be more, but there's no more. <laughs> Oi, to be new. Four improvement suggestions. Number one. Use caution when you is used. Explore who is you. Number two, increase organization of information. Sample with a 10 list format. And number three, become familiar with 20 pish posh words. Use them with conscious awareness. 
So for these improvement suggestions, we have gone over them with other speakers. There is a, a handful of foundational components I believe are extremely beneficial and generally applicable to speaking. And if a speaker is okay in those areas, then sometimes I kind of let them go. But if there is a hindrance due to a lack of something, then I like to point that out. So yes, okay. <laughs> the point of that rambling is I give the basic feedback first. Once a person grasps the misuse of you and organization of information, removing pish-posh words, minimizing past stories, speaking in the present moment, these types of things, then we move on to the more detailed nuances. Michelle's, like I said, those types of precise components once the foundation is built. I do believe Michelle has a doctorate in communications. I think she is Dr. Michelle Mazur. And that's one thing I was a bit surprised with her misuse of you and pish posh words and lack of organization. In the past, I would hold doctors to a high standard, but now I've realized any yokel can get a doctorate. <laughs> In a general sense, it just the whole, we're going to go into that more in future land. And in episode two, we're going to talk about the university system. So that is on my mind. I just, my, my faith in the university system has been challenged. This is an example of that, where a person has a doctorate in communication. And I personally feel that if we were objectively tested on our ability to optimize someone's speech, I think mine would reach a higher level of optimization. And I have a bachelor's degree in psychology and a minor in criminal justice. <laughs> My area of university study had nothing to do with communication and language. I do encourage Michelle Mazur to check out the 20 pish posh words and also sample with a 10 list format. I think she has great information, but when I walk away from the show, once it ends, it just kind of ends. I'm not really consciously aware of what I learned. A 10 list helps communicate, hey, these are the 10 points. All right, so that's improvement suggestions. Use caution when you is used, explore who is you. Number two, increase Organization of information, sample with a 10 list format, and the final one, number three, <laughs> become familiar with the 20 pish posh words. Use them with conscious awareness. And that is number four, the Rebel Speaker Podcast with Michelle Mazur. Another kind of tidbit, she's a bit vague with information. It's kind of like they did a study and this happened also I think she talked about her audience, listeners, but didn't really clarify how many there are. And then also she talks about how to negotiate your speaking fee, but she doesn't relay her speaking fee. I also would like to see a bit more of the practice what you preach type of business meta, where if she's going to tell a client or a listener to do something or to teach them how to do something, to lead by example. 
Okay, and that is number four, The Rebel Speaker Podcast with Michelle Mazur. Number five, Confidence on the Go with Trish Blackwell. The featured episode is number 151, The Truth About You. And that original air date was March 1st, 2016. So Confidence on the Go, I have spoke about this podcast in the past. Kind of how I view Michelle Dutro as Auntie Michelle. I view Trish Blackwell as Sissy Trish. <laughs> My, like, a sister. That's one of the reasons why I compare the two of us. To me, it's like a sisterly comparison. It's, um, uh, for example, I believe I'm a bit stronger in terms of mental ability and capacity. And I believe... Trish is stronger in physical ability and capacity. So in many ways, we're kind of like a yin and yang. And I, uh, I think what she's doing is great. So we will dive into the well dones. Number one, reliable, regular production of episodes. Number two, Trish inspires optimization of exercise and physical fitness. And number three, blunt, genuine personality traits are heard when life's ups and downs are shared. So reliable, regular production of episodes. This is something that I am proud of Trish for putting out a weekly episode. Each Tuesday, like clockwork, a new episode comes out and I am a loyal listener. I look forward to the weekly episodes. I usually jog and listen and I'm inspired. I think the woman I'm listening to also jogs, also craves physical and mental strength. So I do appreciate the time and effort it takes to produce a weekly episode. Number two, Trish inspires optimization of exercise and physical fitness. She's a fitness trainer by trade and was a professional, I don't know if professional is quite the right word, an athlete, a swimmer and Ironmans and all all kinds of stuff. And I've had the pleasure of working out with a semi-pro bodybuilder. So someone with a similar mindset of just monster achievement in terms of physical fitness. And it is extremely inspiring. It was working out with a bodybuilder that changed how I viewed physical strength and exercise. It was amazing. A huge transformation took place. And I imagine Trish offers that to her clients, that same transformation which was offered to me I imagine she gives to others and that is a beautiful part of life to watch someone change from a caterpillar to a butterfly number three blunt genuine personality traits are heard when life's ups and downs are shared and each one of the speakers we're talking about today has a different blunt and genuine personality And that is one of the core reasons why these folks are on this list is because of that, because of that genuine personality. And I believe Trish to speak from a genuine perspective and (laughs) like a little sister, I pick on her when uh, I hear her use pish posh words or another example was the word girls. She was explaining a story about some women who she had admired. And I could sense a bit of a subconscious disconnect 
And she had said, oh, those girls are great and all this stuff. And then she said, us women, and then went on to say something else. So when it was just the women by themselves, they were girls. But then when she added herself to the mix, it became women. To me, that reveals a subconscious disconnect. So it's kind of neat. I, I find little things like that on the show. And I do have a sisterly love for Trish and appreciate her blunt, genuine personality traits. And the life's ups and downs. Trish is another podcaster who talks about some of the rough moments of entrepreneurship and being a mom and just being a human in general. I think it's comforting for people to hear how others make it through. And I think that's a focal point. It's not about how other people struggle, but it's about how other people make it through that struggle and find some sort of resolution. So that's well done. Number one, reliable, regular production of episodes. Number two, Trish inspires optimization of exercise and physical fitness. And number three, blunt, genuine personality traits are heard when life's ups and downs are shared. Improvement suggestions. <laughs> number one, use caution when you is used. Explore who is you. Trish has you in her tagline and it's be you be free. At the end, she'll say, be more of who you are. The episode title, The Truth About You, there are lots of yous. I think if Trish were able to remove you from her vocabulary, she's one that I would recommend a blanket just removal. First off, I generally encourage people to be cognizant of it, but I think Trish is determined and intelligent enough to just cut it out. And I've noticed that people who have tremendous physical patience tend to possess a tremendous mental patience ability too. So those who are disciplined with physical fitness can also be disciplined with the mind. If Trish just removed you, I believe her show would improve tenfold, just exponentially more accurate and less assumption-based if you was removed. Number two, speaking of positive tense, Remove un, not, and other negative qualifiers of speech. I feel a bit too frequently Trish will talk about negative things. This bad thing happened when you lay in bed at night. What you're doing is you're telling yourself lies. And I used to have this problem and this thing and then go on and on. I think it's best just remove all that. Speak in a positive tense, remove un, not, and other negative qualifiers of speech. So instead of talking about what is lacking, talk about what there is. And just in general, so I would encourage Trish to listen to one of her episodes and offer conscious awareness to the qualifiers. Because I've noticed that she'll be on a positive train and then it just goes south and it goes to, and then you look in the mirror and you tell yourself you're ugly, but you're not ugly. I'm like, holy shit, where did this come from? Stay on a positive train. I like it when Trish is a positive buddy with me when I go for a jog. Number three, guide interviews towards productive action-based topics. Minimize past stories. And this is a common complication with the interview format where People just ramble on and on about past stories. And by the end of the interview, I'm unclear as to what the person even does. <laughs> like, okay, they have a website and they wrote a book. 
awesome, but what are their core beliefs? What are they doing? What is going on? Oftentimes I have no idea. So I encourage Trish to guide interviews towards productive action-based topics. Minimize past stories. And a way to minimize past stories is to prime for present moment questions as opposed to asking, what was your dream as a kid? Or how did you get started? Or those kinds of questions. Prime with what is a current passion? What is a passive income? What is a core lesson? What is a 10 list for core beliefs? Something of that nature. I think that's a bit more of an effective approach than the standard, what do you do? Where do you live? How are you doing? Yabbity-yabbity-blah blah type of stories. Guide interviews towards productive action-based topics. Minimize past stories. And that is number five, Confidence on the Go with Trish Blackwell. I do recommend checking out this show for well-done, reliable episodes. Trish inspires optimization of exercise and physical fitness and blunt genuine personality. Improvement suggestions. Use caution when you is used. Explore who is you. Number two, speak in a positive tense. And number three, minimize past stories. (laughs) Well, that took longer than anticipated. I think... In the future, we will need to condense that. In the interest of time, we shall breeze through the... Oh, yep, Mustachio's right. I gotta go over the podcast one more time. (sighs) Five podcasts, entrepreneur. Number one, Tiny Leaps, Big Changes with Greg Clunas. Number two, The Game Changer Podcast with Michelle Dutro. Number three, The Next Level with Jeff Agustinelli. Number four, the Rebel Speaker Podcast with Michelle Mazer. And number five, Confidence on the Go with Trish Blackwell. I do recommend these five shows for people who desire a peek into the world of a blunt and genuine take of entrepreneurship. Okay, for the five movies, we have, and these are five movies of 2015. Number one, Inside Out, number two, Kurt Cobain, Montage of Heck, number three, Star Wars, episode seven, The Force Awakens, number four, Straight Outta Compton, and number five, The Big Short. Number one, Inside Out. Inside Out presents an accurate depiction of human emotions on a chemical, molecular, and hormonal level. In a playful way, groundbreaking theories of human cognition are explored. If a person were to grasp its basic concepts, they would have been considered a scholar 50 years ago. Inside Out presents a comical and pleasurable visual aid for those, like me, who are curious about human memory. Complex concepts are explained more clearly than many university textbooks and include what memories are, how memory works, and how emotions are stored with memory. Also, How emotions within the moment affect how memories are cataloged in the mind. For some learning fun, go inside out. So that's number one, inside out. Number two, Kurt Cobain, Montage of Heck. Dip into the adolescent life of creative artist Kurt Cobain. True to its name, this film is a montage of drawings, videos, pictures, and interviews with those who knew Kurt. 
Through creative expression, his childhood until death is masterfully articulated. Safely explore a silent mental roller coaster deep within the mind of a genius. Whether Kurt is known or unknown, loved or other, Montage of Heck is worth a peek. And that's number two, Kurt Cobain, Montage of Heck. Number three, Star Wars, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Now streaming, Episode 7, The Force Awakens, brings Jedi Masters back into mass media, mainstream consciousness. This film features a strong female lead and throwback cast members from the original 70s and 80s series. There is a healthy balance of action, story, plot, and intrigue. The costumes and monsters lure the audience to a Star Wars world. Sit back, relax, snuggle up, and watch this movie from the comfort of home if it were missed in the theater. That is number three, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Number four, Straight Outta Compton. Straight Outta Compton depicts an inside, behind-the-scenes look into the lives of several influential artists who became well-known years later. Fuzzy memories flash half-truths as I think back to my childhood, the early 90s in the California Bay Area. Nearly a decoy, O'Shea Jackson Jr. plays a lead role as his father, Ice Cube. The overnight success theory commonly associated with fame is debunked as sacrifice and struggle are a center of focus in Straight Outta Compton. Well-rounded, this movie provides moments of action, comedy, and drama. And that is number four, Straight Outta Compton. Number five, The Big Short. The financial crisis of 2008 is understood differently on different levels depending on whom is asked. The Big Short teaches as it entertains. Fundamental players and plays are revealed as part of the story. Through the use of metaphor and simple explanations, subprime mortgages and other financial-specific vocabulary can be ingested, reflected, and modified to update paradigms of thought. Consider, what happened in 2008 to burst the housing bubble? Will future generations face a similar financial crisis? Finances affect us in different ways. The Big Short explains how. So that's number five, The Big Short. So we have for five movies of 2015, number one, Inside Out. Number two, Kurt Cobain, Montage of Heck. Number three, Star Wars, Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Number four, Straight Outta Compton. And number five, The Big Short. Okay. <laughs> and now we are on to the announcements. The original record date for the 10 list in segment two is from March 4th, 2015. I was a bit more spunky back then, had a bit more of a sailor's tongue. (laughs) And some of the stuff I said, oh, I had forgotten about the majority of the content. So it was as much a surprise to me while I was editing the episode as it will be a surprise to the listener who has never heard it. Very strange concept, how the brain works and stores memories. Okay, the website is up, and in the process of setting up the website, (laughs) it has been a, a huge challenge. The quotes for the same 
list I proposed. So I put together a punch list of items I wanted changed and sent it to about five companies here in Spokane. And the bid range was from $175 to $3,000. That is a huge range. There is something going on in the web design community. And these are people who specialize in WordPress websites. If there are any WordPress web designers in the Spokane area or beyond, contact me. WordPress websites, this is currently a hot issue for me. I had no idea of the crazy world that is a WordPress website <laughs> and how to have someone assist with it. It has just been mind-blowing in a multitude of ways. So this last web designer, I got pushed to my limits and I just couldn't... Uh... I didn't want to work with him anymore. He had sent a bunch of pish-posh nonsense and ugh, I'm, you know, and I think synchronistically, I threw out the email. <laughs> I have my notes here and it is not here. So that is probably a synchronistic positive thing in the interest of time and just, ugh, it's, it's still perhaps too much of a hot issue and frustrating for me. But I asked the web designer for a time frame, and I did not receive a pink zone response. It was like, oh, I was out of town. Oh, I'll get to it. I'll get back to you. Let me look at this. It was yellow zone. There was very little pink zone information. And this was on the 13th, I believe almost two weeks past our deadline. We had a deadline of July 1st to have the website finished and optimized. So here it is two weeks later and there's still trailing issues. I had paid him in full and then also tipped him 75 bucks. <laughs> and uh, he just kept blowing me off and I was done. And I had even said, hey, I get that you have other clients, I get that things are going on, but let me know a time frame. Keep me informed as to the progress of what's going on. And really, as a customer, oftentimes, that's what's desired. It's not a bunch of other things, it's simple communication. After waiting for his response, he had said, oh, I'll get to you later today, and it was past five o'clock. I was done. Then I had messaged him and said that this project seems to be a low priority to him. And due to poor communication, I would prefer to move on. And are we square with billing? And his response was, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't do this in a timely fashion. I'm not able to drop everything and tend to your site immediately. However, I'm only a one-man show. And it was just... Ugh. Uh, <laughs> so I was so irritated I went and dug it out of the garbage. <laughs> Just like, I don't think it's me. I think that my expectations are acceptable. The people I've worked with 
just blow my mind in terms of an inability to consciously communicate. These folks are so deep in subconscious processing and the yellow zone, I'm surprised they even recognize me as a human. <laughs> okay, so here we go. There's a bunch of crap, we'll just do the last two. Thank you for the heads up. This project appears to be a low priority for you. At this stage, I feel it is best for us to wrap up our business relationship. I'd like to work with someone I can effectively communicate with. We seem to have two different of priorities to continue. I appreciate your help with the site and wish you continued success with your business. Are we square in terms of billing? Thank you, Lynn. And his response was, I'm sorry, I cannot meet your needs in a satisfactory fashion. I am, however, just one a shop man and have multiple other clients that also require servicing. So it is unfortunately often not possible to drop everything and tend to your site immediately upon the request. I wish you well with your endeavors. We are completely square in terms of billing. Regards and good luck with 3H2Humans. <laughs> so this response blew me away in about 50 different ways. And there are a ton of pish posh words in here. Sorry, cannot, however, unfortunately, not possible, drop everything immediately upon the request, completely square, like, whoa, whoa, nelle nelle. <laughs> And this is the reason why I wanted to end the business relationship. This was the mindset that I was faced with. I feel it's a challenge to speak to someone who uses pish posh words, who's sorry. If a person's sorry for their actions, maybe change the behavior. He had said, sorry, sorry I didn't get back to you. Sorry I was out of town. Sorry I have other clients. To me, that's not a smart approach as a contractor in a business to constantly say I'm sorry that's no <laughs> and I am however just a one-man shop and have multiple other clients that also require servicing so it is unfortunately often not possible to drop everything and tend to your site immediately upon the request whoa I had said what is your projected date of completion? That was my question. It wasn't drop everything, do what I want right now, fix me immediately. It was, hey, what's going on? When is this going to get done? And my points were about priority and communication. It just, this is an example of yellow zone. <laughs> and also it's two weeks after the projected completion date. That's not immediately when I requested it. It's two weeks after. And it's not him dropping everything to tend to my site. I'm requesting an update. So anyway, these are the types of things we go over in conscious communication, in the consulting and all. It's these types of issues, the things that we've discussed today, the reviews, the doing well, the areas for improvement, the emails, the real life human to human interaction. So this is an example of real life human interaction. I doubt communications such as this are explored in university business textbooks. And that's one of the problems. Communication is often 
not considered a component of business. And I feel it is a key, essential component to business because he lost my business because of his inability to communicate. I think he's great at WordPress sites and his job, but not communication and not customer service. And also his morals and ethics are different than mine. I had paid him upfront to complete the site and then also gave him nearly a 50% bonus. And he was morally perfectly okay with just walking away from the site and not fixing it or even offering a solution. There were simple little things where he could say, go in the admin panel, go under reading, go under syndication and change the podcast number there. He could have spent 10, 15 minutes on the punch list and at least advised me, at least had some sort of positive hand back, but he didn't. He just told me a bunch of pish posh and then peaced out, <laughs> took the money and ran. <laughs> so I do, and that's the second, uh, well, all three of the WordPress web designers I've hired and fired have, in my opinion, taken the money and run. They're like, fuck this, I'm out of here. And I don't think that that type of mindset is in alignment with my morals and my ethics and the way that I see the business economy going. So I'm out. And that's what I told one of the web designers. I said, I'm either going to trust you and follow you or fire you. Those are my options. I follow or fire. But pish poshy nonsense, someone blowing me off, telling me they're sorry all the time. I ain't got time for that shit. I, that's what romantic relations are for. <laughs> the I'm sorry's and all that. Not, not business. In business, let's accomplish things. Let's work together. Let's speak in the pink zone. That was <sighs> Oi complication number three with WordPress web designer who took the money and ran. <laughs> the site is nearly complete. There's a couple things that irritate me. So I am back on the hunt for a new web designer and tech advisor. So anyone in the Spokane area or potentially beyond, contact me. Okay, moving along. And on the subject of tech, Two quick little things that have helped me tremendously are the WSP button on electronics. It's this button that helps pair an item with a Wi-Fi service with the push of a button. It's badass. Instead of typing in the passcodes and the security key and all that crap, it's just a button push. So big thumbs up to y'all who created the WSP button. Also, a mouse with a laptop. A friend showed me this. I don't know why. I didn't think of it, but I thought because I have a laptop, I have to use a touchpad. But I now plug in a mouse and it has really speeded up my computer use. Something as simple as a little button and plugging in a mouse can help increase efficiency in the tech arena. So, the new website. <laughs> After about eight months of, I don't even know what to call it, learning, trial and error, the new website is up. It is the same address. Check it out and the online store. I needed to learn 
a lot of the stuff because of my complications with web designers. If I had a reliable, proactive web designer, I would have learned hardly anything. But because the work was put on my lap, because in contrary to Chris, the web designer, I don't believe being a one-man shop is an excuse to fail. I believe a one-man shop means everything falls on me. So if it doesn't get done, I have to do it. And I just, that blows my mind, the differences where he says that's the reason why he sucks is because he's a one-man shop. And I say that's the reason why I'm awesome in a lot of ways because I'm a one-man shop. Or I view myself as that way. I think the boldest and the brightest leaders do where the actions of others are not a part of the equation. It's the end result. That's what matters. And if that end result is less than optimal, I need to act and I need to pick up where other people left off. To me, that's leadership, that's entrepreneurship. Not, I'm sorry, I'm a one-man shop, so go kick rocks. <laughs> I don't know, go, go throw rocks at a, a feral shepherd dog who uses the front yard as a crappery. <laughs> Oi, okay, so the website, schedule appointments, go to the store, all that fun stuff. On a community note, a positive community note, I have enjoyed looking at the art of local artist Travis Chapman. It is featured in the Liberty Building. So this is the building where the 3H2 office is. It's the building with Auntie's Bookstore, Sante Restaurant, Barrister Tasting Room, Uncle's Games, Pottery Place, a Coffee Shop, a Beauty Bar, and several private businesses. What's super cool and synchronistic is as I walk up the staircase, I take the stairs, I don't use the elevator. I like stairs, elevators. We'll save that for another time. <laughs> but I walk up the stairs and then right there, is a beautiful painting of the iconic Spokane carousel with the horses alive and running free, running from the carousel. And then there's one next to it of the garbage eating goat and it's sitting up on a rock all proud. And then there's real goats in the background. And then there's another one of the old clock tower for the train station, which used to be where Riverfront Park is. There's King Kong up atop the, the tower. So he has a witty and humorous, accurate, thought-provoking, colorful, playful, tantalizing look at perspective of the environment. Definitely worth a look or look online too. He has an on online Etsy store. I bought a painting last week, I think on Friday, and it's the first fancy painting I've purchased. It is a Travis Chapman. <laughs> My first piece of collector's art. <laughs> and I, I believe in his painting career. He has talent and creative genius. So I do encourage folks to check out Travis Chapman art online or come on down to the Liberty Building. And there's tons of other artists in the Liberty Building too. It's pretty cool. 
the office I go to work at is in an art gallery. Very cool. All right, and the final announcement for today, a big hello and thank you to my friends and family. A lot of changes are going on in my life. One of them is connecting with people, talking on the phone more, doing things like that. And I looked at my phone, I had 346 contacts. I speak with about 20 people. (laughs) So I was wondering, if I speak with about 20 people, why do I have 346 contacts in my phone? And I started looking through and a lot of them are people I just met once and never spoke with. Uh, Takeout restaurants (laughs) from when I lived in Seattle. Um, Email addresses and just kind of weird crap that was saved over time. So my objective became to get it down to 200 contacts that I could delete 146 nonsense contacts. And part of the deletion was also updating. Which of these phone numbers still work? Who do I want to talk to? Which friends helped me become who I am today and I want them in my life? (laughs) For all y'all who received a a text, kind of weird, crazy message out of the blue, that was the inspiration of it. And uh, if there was a message, then... The final cut was made. (laughs) So I do appreciate the support that I've received recently. It was pretty cool. The hits on the website doubled after I reached out to my friends, to the people that I wanted to remain in contact with. Spoke with one of the friends who posted the information on Facebook And then he had said he saw another friend who did that. So I also really appreciate all y'all out there spreading the show through word of mouth. It works. (laughs) The little graph proves it. (laughs) There's a lot of activity and um, I hope the site is enjoyed. Uh, Any input is appreciated. All right, so with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Coming up is the 10 list for happiness exploration circa 2015. Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy. morning. Today is March 4th, 2015, 345. Oh, I kind of stumbled for a moment and thought as though I was reading it incorrectly. That is pretty cool. 345. Neat. Well, that's today. (laughs) And uh, right before launching today, Mustachio and I were chatting about um, how cool the phrase airplane mode is. What a beautiful way to describe what airplane mode is. I think that in some ways reveals some of the genius behind iPhones. I put a blanket down on the ground. So that's one thing, too, that came up in the in the chat was about how uh, kind of the habits 
that we have and procedures for shows, those types of things, the little things which we've learned along the way that may help others. And one of them is putting a blanket down on the uh, floor. And I rent and it's Berber and cold and uh, it's not as inviting as a blanket. And I meditate and do a kettlebell workout. All things are on this this magic blanket. <laughs> so even now with my shoes off, I'm working on body balance and um, continuing to fix that popping and cracking in uh, on my left foot. So <laughs> body balance and thumbs up to the person, people, entity, whatever it may be, which came up with airplane mode. I figure that's a ballsy move because if no one knew what airplane mode meant, essentially the word makes no sense. Airplane mode. Putting my phone in airplane mode right now has nothing to do with an airplane. (laughs) But flying is common among people who use devices such as these. And then I, I believe the whole turning the phone off, cutting it off from the world, yet being functional, began with the whole powering down the phone and all that stuff. The, the irritation felt by the consumer who would most likely benefit from a feature such as airplane mode, those who fly in an airplane. I am not a big fan of flying. I prefer to drive, but I love airplane mode. <laughs> and how essentially it it changed the meaning of what airplane mode can mean. Its continuum has broadened, where essentially placing the action behind the language and the word airplane mode can be completely dissimilar from someone referring to airplane mode as a a travel preference. I do airplane mode. I, I fly, you know, that sort of thing. So... Yeah, words are fun. And this is an example of the type of linguistics explorations uh, we do here at uh, 3H. 3H, ha. I know I'm thinking of um, different languages. Different languages, very cool. At (laughs) 3H, two humans, mastermind symposium of infinite possibility. So, um, yeah, all right. Alright, I guess that's it about airplane mode, warming up, kind of, oh, no, no, thank you. The point of much of these jib-jabberings is I find current linguistics, modern linguistics, to be more applicable in life than the history of linguistics. Let's say if I were to take linguistics at a university, oh, I think that would bore me to tears. This is more of an applicable right now type of approach to linguistics and speaking and uh, having fun. Uh, Yeah, and working towards removing all the pish-posh nonsense. So, all warmed up, let's go ahead and jump right into today's 10 list. Oh, that's right, and I don't believe uh, we said where we're at. Spokane, Washington gave uh, notice to the landlord that I am moving. So it is official. Oof. Big weight lifted. And um, 
there's some peacefulness felt within that action. So, yes, I do. Ooh, so here we go. Here's the listener challenge for today is uh, to embrace. So let's see, listener challenge, to embrace an inevitable challenge. Inevitable challenge, like vegetable, inevitable. Okay, here we go. Listen challenge to embrace an inevitable challenge. So something that's been put off. So task put off in uh, conscious thinking as well, uh, especially if it involves other people. So what do I mean by that? Involves others. If other people are affected by the sharing or repression of information, then I would put that kind of task on the front burner. Those are the ones that I am often not a big fan of because I have such complications communicating with people and I feel as though I'm concise and digestible. I ask a question and then I get a bunch of fucking jibber-jabbered nonsense, non-applicable bullshit. <sighs> I yeah, and one little teeny tiny side note on that, uh, business communications. If there's more than one question, uh, I was exchanging information with uh, an associate and we each had several questions. So what I did for his questions was I wrote on his email, entered, so spaced out the questions. So essentially I had broken down each question and then answered it. And that way I feel as though that's the optimal way to respond to multiple questions. It shows that shits are given attention has been given to each individualized question. And we have spoke about this before in business communication emails. Sometimes uh, what I may perceive as irrelevant is most relevant to someone else. So essentially, um, I feel as though to increase my ability to communicate more effectively, what I do is answer every question to the best of my ability and answer each question as though it's the most important because I don't know which one is and I don't want to deal with it again. So if I half-ass it, then more questions are going to come. Then I half-ass it and more questions are going to come. And that's one of the reasons why people are so quote-unquote busy. Oh, I'm so busy. I can't do anything. No, you're not fucking busy. You're stupid and inefficient and lazy. That's what it is. It has nothing to do with busy. Busy. Ooh, that is a pish-posh word. Mm, okay, the birth of another pish-posh word if it is not already on there. Pish-posh word is busy. What the fuck does busy mean? And who is busy? <sighs> <laughs> is it obvious that it's tax season? <laughs> oh man. Okay, so here we go. We're going to jump back to the listener challenge to embrace an inevitable challenge. If it's a task that's been put off, if it's a part of conscious thinking, if it involves other people, uh, prioritize these, move them to the front burner, and knock them out of the park. Um, oftentimes for me, it's fear that gets in the way. So with this, for giving notice that I'm moving, uh, it's a fear of accepting the fact that I'm moving. I'm very stressed. <laughs> Thinking about moving, packing everything up, cleaning this house, cleaning the new house. Is Brian going to help? I have no idea. Uh, it's tough. 
I knew that I needed to face this and I needed to do it, and I have. So this goes back to involving others. Many of the decisions I make involve many people. Even though I'm a recluse in a cave with a polar bear, part of critical thinking is examining how each decision affects multiple people. I feel as though this is a part of consciousness. A subconscious process would be perhaps a more accurate designation for telling the landlord I'm moving, yes, that is notifying him, but it's not only about him. It's about what that means for me and then other people that are affected by the decision as well. Through life, many decisions have this meta a design of feeling as though it only affects one small participle, but in effect, a grander scale is altered, changed. That's the key point to think of, the variables, that wave, that gust of wind, although seemingly insignificant, does have an effect, will alter the variables due to its presence. Think of that and embrace these inevitable challenges. They're there. Walk into it with an idea <laughs> that the universe is working in one's favor. Oh man, this past year, I feel like I got shit all over, left and right. I mean, fuck, uh, it, it was rough. But I was talking to my mom the other day and explaining to her my woes. One of the things I do when I complain is I like to provide something I've learned. So the meta for that is, this pisses me off, this is what I learned. And with the business communications, with, you know, my yammering about if a question is asked, to space it down and to respond to each question, to not just fucking inundate people with cohesive nonsense, to reread an email and give a shit about communication. Oi then it teaches me how I can be a better communicator. It shows within myself the flaws viewed through another, viewed as another's qualities. Embracing challenges, I feel, magnifies, amplifies the ability to reach a state of consciousness where these connections can be made, where variables are examined, where time is slowed down, to a point where awareness is heightened. In society, it's difficult. Phones and all these things going off. All these crazy things the kids are doing. There's Bitcoining and whatnot. And... So, <laughs> listener challenge to embrace an in inevitable challenge and uh, just uh, get that done. So, here we go. For me, it was giving notice that I'm moving. And a whole chain of events have happened this morning. It's been quite a doozy. I'm excited. I feel relieved. And I think that's a huge thing uh, we were speaking about earlier. Those challenges that need to be done. And, and, and for me, too, hydrating, losing weight. These Losing weight, that's such a terrible way to say it. Um, increasing my muscle mass, my uh, muscle-to-fat ratio. That's my desire. I want to be lean. Good. That that was that's what Mustachio is saying. He's he says he's lean. <laughs> Predators 
such as bears and leopards in the wild don't get obese. They don't get fat. They don't get lazy and complain about joint pain and all this shit. They exist and they live. So cheers to being human. <laughs> we uh, have the ability to think in a um, perhaps more detail-oriented and uh, critical thinking type of manner than our friend the beast. Let's go ahead <laughs> and uh, talk about the 10 list for today. It is a 10 list for happiness exploration. So exploring happiness. Uh, yeah. All right. And as with tradition on 10 lists, first we say what the 10 list is. 10 list of happiness exploration. Then run through the list, giving a short um, bullet point of that item, as well as some supporting information for the 10, and then giving a more detailed explanation, and then jumping back and uh, listing them again. For deep level processing, repetition is important. Is so important, that's kind of a vague term. Um, Repetition increases the ability to recall the information down the road. It puts it, it, it kind of pushes it more into conscious thinking as opposed to, you know, yeah, think of a nail. One time, what if everything was only nailed in one time? Fuck, shit would fall apart all the time. So it takes a couple poundings. <laughs> so we want to pound that information in in a fun and exciting manner. All right, and this is the third in the series for health, happiness, and a humble perspective. As uh, perhaps, well, perhaps um, statistically speaking, uh, the most common question I get asked is, what is 3HT Humans? What the fuck? <laughs> What is that? And uh, I don't really know. I, I, I guess, um, yeah, it just, it, it means something uh, varied depending on individualized perspective. But we won't get too much into that. So it's just 3H2 Humans, what this radio show is. It's the Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility. And we do 10 lists. Hopefully doing the three 10 lists of health, happiness, and humble perspective, uh, just tidbits, things that I think of when I'm triggered with these words. And I encourage everyone to write their own 10 list of health, happiness, and a humble perspective. And I, I'd love to see those. So please send them to me, hop on the website, do the whatever is going on at the time. <laughs> I am, oh Jesus. <laughs> Oh, I tried to reach too far. All right. <sighs> yeah, I need tissues. I'm, it's all this recycled air. I'm so for, looking forward to spring when I can open up the windows and be outside more. And I encourage everyone to do a 10 list. Write them down. And if nothing else, to put it into conscious thinking. Uh, I think a kind of mask with... The difference between processing information and deep level processing of information. The information is 
not fully ingested, perhaps. It's, um, it's like I just see a picture in my head of something not going through. It just doesn't go through. <laughs> Whatever English term is for that, it just doesn't fucking work. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but putting it into conscious thought, I think, is great. And, and people do things like this. I, I listen to many entrepreneurship podcasts, self-help stuff. And, and a common thing is for people when journaling and all that to write out their perfect day and all that. I, I haven't really done that. That's not, I imagine I'd benefit from it, but for some reason I just haven't done that. Um, but what resonates a bit easier in my brain are things like this, 10 lists, something, because if I start imagining my perfect day, I'll sit there for six hours. <laughs> that, and it, that exercise will turn into my perfect day. <laughs> and it, wow, ooh, that's pretty good. Maybe that's the whole point of the thing. Oh, yeah, but I don't have time to just sit and ponder and enjoy. I gotta, gotta crank out a little bit for a little, little bits more. All right. So, jumping into happiness exploration. Number one, speak 30% of the time and listen 70% of the time. Give conscious attention to one's own percent of talk time and others in the environment. Number two, focus on the haves. Utilize all items and people before desiring more. What is more when now things are dusty? Number three, examine life. Quote, the unexamined life is not worth living. Unquote. Plato, I believe. <laughs> Maybe Socrates. Oh, I'm terrible with the quotes. Ask questions. Explore continuum of infinite possibility. Number four, ingest, reflect, and modify. Understand info as it is. Internalize meaning from one's own perspective. Alter ask questions, build on past information. Number five, communication. Speak in the pink zone. Be in the moment. Words spoke to a deaf audience lack meaning. Number six, reflection writing. Increase skill to objectively view oneself and meditative release timeline of life. Um, Oh, oneself and memory. Meditative release, timeline of life. Number seven, humble. Recognize similarities between oneself and strangers. We are essentially all one organism, Earth. Number eight, occupation. Allow for monetary gains to align with ethics and morals. What is rich in the wallet if dead in the heart? (laughs) Put soul before the dollar. Number nine, proactive. Anticipate actions. Be one step ahead of reacting. Less overall energy to prevent something as opposed to fix it. Number 10, love. Love oneself. Allowing the ability for unconditional love towards others. Be true to one's own character. All right, so that is the 10 list for happiness exploration. These are the components I enjoy focusing on when I am exploring happiness and I think everyone will kind of have their own little list and I do a challenge in a sense everyone to ingest 
these components. Look at them through my eyes and then internalize and then build and uh, take it and run. I think that's how information is designed as we will explore in number four. <laughs> All right, so number one, 30% speak, 70% listen of the time. Give conscious attention to one's own percentage of talk time and the others in the environment. All right, so speak 30%, listen 70%. Uh, this is one that really tickles me in an odd way. And I believe that's one of the reasons why it is the first <laughs> on the list. I feel as though many times in conversations with others, I just listen. And I think that's because I allow for that. And it, it has taken time to develop the skill of listening. It is a skill. It's difficult to hold back emotions, to stop from just spouting out. I think a person who can stay cool, calm, and collect in any situation has indeed mastered parts of character. And how this all begins and how it ties into happiness is I think it allows for a deeper connection with another person if there is that listening component. Uh, <laughs> for example, the... Well, no, we don't need to go into examples um, of that nature. So the problem with this, and, and this is something I feel is maybe even becoming a cliche in business classes or whatnot, listen to interviews on podcasts. That's uh, how I conduct the majority of research podcasts. And oftentimes it's one person just speaking, just taking control of the conversation. And for me, yeah, maybe that's one of my problems with this this one, this 30-70. I often prefer conversations to be 50-50, where in a much earlier show, we talked about how to have a conversation, the basic fundament fundamentals of conversating, and how they're short sentences, then the other person, short sentences, then going back and forth, like a tennis match. And I think many conversations is just one person serving. That's the dominant person, and in my personal opinion, the uh, uh, <laughs> most likely less intelligent of the group. It's so strange, this phenomenon. It, it's like a barky chihuahua. The person who's talking all the time and grandstanding and doing all this shit really has nothing to say. But if that person was quiet, if they had to um, be in the moment, it... Uh, in some ways is devastating to their character. And it's so strange. So watch these patterns. And for me, this is a part of happiness, is paying attention to the percentage of how often I speak and how often others in my environment speak, and then kind of gauging that. And I most likely will want to lean more towards the person who's not uh, as chatty. Let's bring back the old-fashioned conversation rather than just one person spouting off things. Let's engage our brains in the moment. I think the tennis match style type of interviewing and podcasting, conversations, all of these things, human interaction in general, really helps to keep people in the moment. 
<laughs> for instance, my grandmother talks and talks and talks. I could set down the phone and walk away for 20 minutes and she would have no idea that I was even on the phone. To me, that's not a conversation. I don't enjoy that. That's just listening to someone talk. <sighs> it's frustrating. So <laughs> I personally prefer 50-50, but first start with this meta. The speak 30, listen 70. Really hone in on listening skills. For some reason, I am having trouble finding a mentor and all of those things. So I believe I need to continue to listen. There are some lessons I have not learned yet. And to percentage of talk time and others in the environment, pay attention to other people. Give conscious attention to the vocal patterns of coworkers, friends, family members, these types of things. I think um, once these fundamental components are understood, uh, effective communication is most likely -er to happen. And I feel that's a large component of happiness as we, ex we will explore number five, communication. Number two, focus on the haves. Utilize all items, people, uh, before desiring more. What is more when now things are dusty? Mustache was laughing about that one. The uh, <laughs> utilize all items or people. And what I'm talking about there is, I think sometimes if there is a void to be filled, there is a, an external search for that. If I had this, then I would be happy. Or if this was only better than that. And I just, ah, I think that's dangerous ground. That's, that's icy territory. Focusing on the haves and appreciating what is in the environment already at this moment, in some ways, I think calibrates what, what is desired further. Uh, yeah, it's kind of an odd, odd concept, but think about that, where utilizing what is had essentially is a calibration for what is wanted. Because anyone can live in fantasy land and say, you know, if I had 10,000 books, then I'd be happy, or if whatever. So first, pay attention to the books that are had. Uh, pay attention to what is already here. And for me, when I do that, what happens is, I realize I already have too much. I'm currently living in excess, even though I'm desiring more. So focusing on the haves has increased my happiness to where rather than spend time in fantasy land, I am able to spend time in the moment and really enjoy now. Uh, and two with the what is more when now things are dusty. That's, I think, true with people and items. Oftentimes we have family, we have friends, we, we have these pre-existing connections that are dusty, that are not utilized, yet there is a desire for more. Reach out. Be the one to wipe the dust off. I think that's kind of the theme of this one uh, in, in terms of happiness in the physical world and in the conscious world. Get out the duster. Dust things on the bookshelf and um, in the environment as well, dust off connections and reach out to uh, friends and family. So number two, focus on the haves. Number three, examine life. Quote, the unexamined life is not worth living. Unquote, Plato. Ask 
questions explore continuum of infinite possibility. So this is kind of cool and it ties into the next five list we'll be doing. We're doing another five list on uh, movies with a kind of throwback theme and one of them was The Butcher's Wife. Neat movie, uh, Demi Moore and um, oh my gosh his name is Escape Jeff, no, um, Jeff Daniels? Yeah, I think so. Um, he's also on the newsroom but yeah awesome actor. In the show he's a therapist and he wears a shirt with this quote on there and that's why I do believe it was Plato uh, but I think they were talking about Socrates. Right there on his shirt it said the unexamined life is not worth living and that was an underlying theme of the movie. Great movie The Butcher's Wife. Uh, it's from the I think late 80s early 90s. Highly recommend it and really look at the deeper undertones of the, of the film of the movie. <laughs> I agree with this. It's strange. I was talking to Brian about you know having kids and he wants kids. I'm not ready and how I have a fear that my child would turn out like me. <laughs> what does that say? I imagine most parents dream for their kids to be just like them or even better than them and all this stuff. I just think holy shit. Uh, adolescence was a shit show for me. It was tough. Navigating through life is tough. Being neuroatypical or whatever it's rough and I know it was tough on my family and to put someone through that I think it seems difficult. That's the key phrase difficult. Doable but difficult. My parents did a great job of encouraging me to ask questions and answered questions that I asked. Sometimes I'm out and about and I see family people, oh don't look at that, oh don't touch that, oh stop asking questions and it's just it's an inner frustration. I think it comes back to the examined life. There is baggage and that's what I fear is that my child too would desire for the examined life. I think that's a good thing and that's an admirable thing. I don't know. That's crazy rabbit hole. We'll climb back to the surface and um, I think in terms of happiness uprises the continuum. Sometimes ignorance is bliss and other times it's detrimental and I believe this goes on an individual basis as well as a moment-to-moment -moment basis. Sometimes I desire to zone out, put on Netflix, watch movies and sleep or do nothing and other times I love to tempt fate and question consciousness. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's all about time and a place and figuring out at what point in life now is and how much mental energy can be expanded towards the examined life and what it means to have an unexamined life. Will that harbor a mindset of fulfillment? I don't know but I think it is a variable which contributes to happiness. Number four, ingest, reflect, and modify. Understand info as it is, internalize meaning from one's own perspective, alter ask questions, build upon prior information. Number five, communication. Oh <laughs> wow! 
I am on another planet just for a second. Oh, okay. In just info as it is. First, analyze the information from the person's perspective. Here I am. I'm looking at a bookshelf. Each one of these books is authored by a person who perhaps has an editor, team, whatnot. But essentially it's represented by one author. That's one person's perspective and filter. Information goes by the same code. There are varied filters that come with the presentation of information. And part of deep level processing is this process of ingest, reflect, and modify to first understand it from the other person's perspective, then to internalize its meaning from one's own perspective, adding the individualized filters. Each human has a different, uh, it's kind of like a thumbprint of neuronal connections in the mind. Even twins, I believe, have different thumbprints. And it's kind of like the same with the brain where they can be pretty much physically identical, yet personalities will be different, neuronal connections will be varied. So it is a unique human feature. This is a pet peeve of mine I have, where I will share information and I get, you know, no, it's not. And there, I feel as though that ingestion phase is skipped. I focus on ingesting what other people have to say. And my frustrations have increased my ability to transport to other people's realms because I so desire someone to come to mind. <laughs> Internalize meaning from one's own perspective. So this is where that, no, it's not, it's good and bad and right and wrong and all the human stigmas and stereotypes get thrown into the pot. So this is like the seasoning before it's just a slab of tofu. Now it's all seasoned up. It has that individualized perspective. And then modify it. After the information is understood and internalized, alter the information, tweak it, change it, ask questions, build upon it. This is a great component of evolution. There is knowledge evolution, learning evolution. It's a part of happiness. I think this three-step process of deeper level processing, conscious awareness of these brain mechanisms, thinking mechanisms, consciousness components, when they're going on, if they're understood, then I think a tighter calibration can be made. So ingest, reflect, and modify. Number five, communication. Speak in the pink zone. Be in the moment. Words spoke to a deaf audience lack meaning. Number five, communication. What is the pink zone? It is a Venn diagram. Uh, imagine three circles, uh, kind of like an elephant. Elephant ears, and then its face in the middle. Both sides are yellow. Those are two people and their individualized filters. Where the circles meet in the middle, that's the pink zone. That's where one person's individualized reality and understanding matches another individual's reality and understanding. So now they're talking in the pink zone. And this seems, may seem, um obvious, but we don't use the word obvious here. I think it's less prevalent than may meet the eye. For me, I have difficulty bringing conversations into the pink zone. I've had many conversations where there are assumptions, and that's what's great about communication in the pink zone, is that it's based off of logic and a shared reality, more of an objective rather than subjective thinking. 
And I think what helps the ability to speak in the pink zone, a huge turbo boost to get to that middle point where the circles meet, is to be in the moment, to turn off the phone, the electronics around the room, shut down outside stimuli and be in the moment in that conversation. Increase the ability to communicate. <laughs> this was Mustachio's line. Uh, <laughs> words spoke to a deaf audience lack meaning. So what does this mean? Words spoke to a deaf audience lack meaning. It comes back to the reason why we speak. We speak to be heard. That's the point of speaking, of forming words. If the word formation doesn't make it to the pink zone, if it doesn't even become a part of conscious thought, and it, if all of these components are missed, then what is it? It's nothing. It has no meaning. It's essentially spoke to a deaf audience. Words only have meaning, only have, so that's an absolute. Um, words, the meaning of words and the use and application and all that require a human vessel. A word written on a page is just a word on a page. It takes a human observer, someone to process it into consciousness to give the word meaning. And if it's not ingested, if it's spoke to a deaf audience, essentially it lacks meaning because it requires an audience to produce meaning. Kind of like that tree falling in the woods type thing. So communicate, be in the moment, speak in the pink zone, and reach a shared understanding. Number six, reflection writing. Increase skill to objectively view oneself and effectively view others as well. It's a meditative release. And then uh, there is a timeline of life. That's one thing I am happy about. I have writings for the last 20 years and I'm able to kind of peek back into, into old me, primitive me. And it's pretty cool and it's humbling. The writing I used to do was shit. It was just bibbly babbly pish poshy nonsensey shit. And um, it's taken time to turn into what it is now. It's neat to watch the evolution. And that's a gift I've given myself. So I think reflection writing is essentially a gift to give oneself. To allow that time to internalize thinking. It's pretty neat. I've heard some intelligent people remark a, a similar feeling to my own, which is, I think best on the page. If there's a problem I'm working through or whatever it may be, writing things down, putting them into the pink zone of tangibility changes it. It holds me accountable. It um, turns it into an object rather than just a thought. I do feel as though reflection writing is a, a keystone for happiness, for being able to objectively view one's own character as well increase memory go back i mean it's it's awesome and it takes time and we do have a show about reflection writing i strongly recommend it yeah kind of breaks it down things i've learned along the way if i could um offer insights into increasing the enjoyment and effectiveness of reflection writing so Skill to objectively view oneself and others, meditative release, and a gift to oneself, creating a timeline of life. Number seven, humble. Recognize similarities between oneself and strangers. We are essentially all one organism, Earth. 
So I do associate humble with earth. That one of the reasons why I have a focus on a humble perspective is I recognize earth as an organism, similar to my body. My left arm doesn't want to hurt my right arm. And my left leg isn't pissed off that my right leg is perhaps stronger. My body doesn't give two fucks. It just wants to work well and do a good job. And I feel as though that's the perspective of the earth. Just do a good job. (laughs) It's to, to work together, to create homeostasis, to have that balance where essentially at its core, I don't think there are terms such as jealousy and hate and those types of things. I, I don't think within one organism, self-destructive properties, um, ah, so here we go, are they necessary? It goes back to the age-old question. Can there be light without dark? I don't know. That's, whew, that's going deep. <laughs> I think a key to feeling Earth as one organism begins with recognizing similarities between oneself and strangers. That's one thing I do. We were, Brian and I were walking and there was a streetie and he was pissing in the bushes. And I was like, oh shit, you know, and he saw us and moved over. I mean, he didn't, he wasn't like, hey, look at me. He just had to go to the bathroom and went. And um, I've been there. Uh, how am I going to judge this guy? How am I going to say... You know, what does he do? Well, I have no right because I've had times where I really had to go to the bathroom. Instead of looking at him saying, oh, gosh, I'm watching this man urinate in public. Oh, blah, you know, he's a human. And it's at least off on the trail, kind of in the bushes. So there's a plus there. But I recognize my similarities with him rather than my differences. And I think this is a foundational component of a humble perspective. And we've spoke before about the primitive filters. When somebody blocked the driveway, at first I was like, what the fuck, wow, all pissed off. And then rationality kicked in. I probably didn't even notice, not a big deal. I think it takes time to train out of that initial kind of primitive, almost negative thinking. So be conscious of this. Identify with strangers' similarities. No matter how terrible that stranger may seem or that um, this could go with enemies or any of that, if there is some entity that is not enjoyed, recognize the similarities between the two and I think some happiness secrets will be revealed. That is number seven, humble. Number eight, occupation. Allow for monetary gains to align with ethics and morals. What is rich in wallet if dead in heart? Put soul before cash. All right, so this is one of the ones I struggle with the most. In number 10 list, happiness exploration. This is number eight, occupation. I have trouble with the whole monetary gains lining up with morals and ethics. In my short years thus far at 33, I have learned the lesson of money does not buy happiness. I do feel a detachment from money. And with that comes complications. I lived in a, like a, yeah, but that doesn't matter. Those, okay, so how to describe this? What is my problem, huh, Mustachio? Why don't you chime in here, buddy? Um, all right, 
putting the soul before the cash. Sometimes that's dangerous because I have not figured out how to completely do this. I do recognize, although I have a detachment from money and from the ability to gain money from someone in a shysty way. Um, I don't have, I, I don't want to do it in a shysty way. So <laughs> I'm going to pick on Tim Ferriss again, <laughs> where he has the four hour franchise and it's gimmicky and he knows it's gimmicky. And I don't think I would feel comfortable with something like that. I don't think even if it sold me a million dollars and all that, I think that goes back to what is rich in wallet if dead in heart. If I carry around that guilt that I made money because I'm a marketing gimmicker and I can land a bunch of suckers, that is not the niche I'm going for. And that's one of the hurdles I've been experiencing in how can I produce valuable quality? And what is that? What does that look like? What does that mean as an occupation? In the past, I've allowed for monetary gains to supersede where I put cash before my soul. And I was a workaholic in the Silicon Valley, working that Silicon Valley 60-hour work week. And it was awesome. It was fun. I learned a lot and I used my brain and all that. But now in my elder years at 33, I'm ready to put my soul first. I feel comfortable in putting my soul first. And it's resulted in a loss of money with that last real estate transaction that dickhead real estate agent just taking full commission, not really doing shit. And it, it's, ah, I don't know. So I have trouble with this. <laughs> I do feel deep components of happiness have to do with allowing monetary gain to align with ethics and morals. What is rich in wallet if dead in heart put soul before cash as kind of a foundation so this is what I'm exploring and oddly this morning came up with a little bit of a a meta to turn 3h2 into an occupation that has been one of my complications is monetizing this because I, I I don't I don't want to in a sense but then I do need to support myself and I want to have enough money to invest in other companies and in the community. So, yeah, I uh, am planning on selling a one edition of the collages. And I do believe one set of the ignition cards as a starter. I think if I focus on this for now, that'll be a way to allow monetary gains to align with my ethics and morals. All right, so <laughs> occupation, this is a tough one. I've uh, sold my soul for the dollar, sold it to the devil. I've bought elaborate shit. I've explored the continuum and I do encourage everyone to explore the continuum of the dollar. That too is what number eight is about in the happiness exploration. Number nine, proactive. Anticipate actions. Be one step ahead of reacting. Less energy to prevent as opposed to fix. So proactive. This is one thing that I like to be. 
when I feel as though I'm on the right path and I'm operating at optimum levels, I take a proactive approach. Those little tasks that take 15 seconds, 30 seconds, uh, when I do them at the time, it has a huge impact in my overall life. Being proactive with little things such as organization, as well as larger things. If action is not taken, there is a need to fix. And it takes more energy to fix something because the problem isn't as identifiable. Once it's in the fixing stage, it requires a different toolkit than in the proactive stage. So yes, stay one step ahead of reacting, less overall energy to prevent rather than fix. There is essentially a drippy faucet in life, in uh, the physical realm or the conscious one, then take that proactive approach. Get that shit done. And as we said, too, with our listener challenge for today, embrace an inevitable challenge and uh, be proactive. Those things go together. And as uh, I don't think it was too short, um, sugar-free. I think it was sugar-free said uh, stay ready so I don't have to get ready. So take that sugar-free, proactive approach. Stay one step ahead of reacting. Number 10, love. Love oneself, allowing the ability for unconditional love towards others. Be true to one's own character. So what is love? Love has many forms, many levels, many meanings. It's, uh, for me, love has to do with loving myself. I've noticed with Brian, when I am most in love with him, it's when I love the reflection of me in his eyes. So what's strange is I mean that in the physical world and in the conscious one, where it's like I physically see me through his eyes and I love that woman and I am proud of her as well as on a consciousness level where he's proud of me and my daily activities and what I'm doing and, and all that but to get there I think the first step is to be true to one's own character essentially if the woman he loved was a false version of me I don't think I would love myself thus I don't feel as though unconditional love with someone else is even possible. So I think that's why when examining love, it's important to, um, to be true to one's own character. Because if that person is false, then the love is false. If I have to pretend to be someone else in order for Brian to love me, then that means I don't love myself. Um... And I'm hiding who I am. That's ugh, not fun. In terms of happiness and love and all these things, I do feel as though loving oneself allows for the ability of unconditional love towards others. That understanding one's own na nature as a first step. All right, let's go ahead and run through the 10 list happiness exploration one more time at... Number one, we have speak 30% of the time, listen 70% of the time, practice listening skills, give conscious attention to one's own percentage of talk time and others in the environment, 
Number two, focus on the haves. Utilize all items slash people before desiring more. What is more when now things are dusty? Number three, examine life. The unexamined life is not worth living. Plato quote. Ask questions. Explore continuum of infinite possibility. Number four, ingest, reflect, and modify. Understand info as it is. Internalize meaning from one's own perspective. Alter, ask questions, build upon past knowledge. Number five, communication. Speak in the pink zone. Be in the moment. Words spoke to a deaf audience lack meaning. Number six, reflection writing. Increase skill to objectively view oneself and others. Meditative release. Timeline of life, gift to oneself. Number seven, humble. Recognize similarities between oneself and strangers. We are essentially all one organism, earth. Number eight, occupation. Allow for monetary gains to align with ethics and morals. What is rich in the wallet if dead in the heart? Put soul before cash. Number nine, proactive. Anticipate actions. Be one step ahead of reacting. Less overall energy to prevent rather than fix. Number 10, love. Love oneself, allowing the ability for unconditional love towards others. Be true to one's own character. All right, so that's the 10 list. Let's try one more thing. We'll go through it one more time, but just the bullet points. So this is for uh, the 10 list of happiness exploration. Number one, be a good listener. <laughs> Number two, focus on what is had. Number three, examine life. Number four, allow for deep level processing. Number five, communicate effectively. Number six, practice reflection writing. Number seven, gain a humble perspective. Number eight, occupational integrity. Number nine, proactive approach. Number 10, true to one's character. So that is the 10 happiness exploration. And we had the listener challenge of embracing an inevitable challenge or an inevitable change, whatever it may be. Step ahead of the fear. Just get that shit done and move on. That's what I'm saying. We are here in lovely West Central Spokane for whew, a couple more weeks. Then the big move to the north side, the uh, Nevada Lidgerwood area yeah that's uh that will be the new new place here pretty soon so much love here in west central spokane washington mustachio and i would like to wish everyone health happiness and a humble perspective diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow enjoy